0: What's up, Teddy? Hello, Mikey. What's happening, man?
1: Not much.
0: Not much. That's a pretty big microphone you got there. Yeah, it makes me feel more important. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> you had a big day today? Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh between um, a very full schedule and my dog's escaping today mm. and uh, all that kind of stuff. Hey, you just disappeared on me. Oh, did I? Yeah sorry about that Sorry. all right um you know the dogs i spent four hours yesterday trying to secure up the yard so they would never escape again and they did it in one day so that's pretty <laughs> impressive <laughs> not smarter than a dog oh my gosh i wish i had the tenacity of my dogs is what i wish i had where I mean, are they where do they go when they get out oh they just i mean like today they almost got all the way to the office today i mean they were literally where i like a less than a quarter of a mile away from here i live like a mile and three quarters away from here so it's just (sighs) that's awesome yeah well i mean it it is it's amazing is what it is i just can't imagine how um they can pull that off you know it's just one of them that digs out the other one just goes along for the ride as as follows happens yeah yeah so um just fun 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 is it raining down there i have no idea i've not been outside since lunch Um, come on really yeah i hadn't uh when i came home when i i know it was raining earlier today but you know then it got it got better um but i don't know it may be raining for all i know um yeah so when we go play poker when's that supposed to happen
1: i don't know ted you i hadn't done anything since i threw it out there and you said <laughs> yes i haven't done anything else the um uh, i don't know i'm kind of Jones too aren't you
0: i'm looking forward to it yes yes i am uh I was talking with a, a guy last Thursday, uh, a guy named Bobby McGraw, who's a pastor at Sugar Sugar Hill Church up there in Atlanta. And um, I was asking him about if his friends have been doing kind of like what our friends have been doing to us. He goes, Oh yeah. He said, they're just, you know, w- why can't y'all pull this off in Georgia? Like we have any control over this. <laughs> you know? So.
1: Yeah, I need to get that ball rolling again. I've sort of let myself get overwhelmed with uh, end of the year stuff. Uh, the The school is starting back, and you know we're trying to I'm trying to change up that business um, class. And you know, we intended to spend a good bit of time trying to incorporate better telehealth initiatives yeah. at the school. And gosh, those breaks just go so fast, and you just all of a sudden you're back in the the swing of things and you got a whole new group of students in and you're trying to remind them of the processes for instance today um you know the so the students that are there now the fourth year students that are there yeah. are uh they've been on externs right and they're really close to graduation so they come back to the school and they know everything uh, but what i forgot was is we use compulink at the school so it got upgraded while they were gone. Oh, So, you know, we've had a few months with this upgraded version and the buttons are in different places and you got to click the three dots instead of the, the dash or whatever was there before, but they're all, they've all been using different EHRs and now they're back and Compulink is different. And then we've got this new telehealth process, which they've not seen yet. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it, it reminds you of how rusty people get when they go, and they're good, right? They've learned a lot of things. They yeah. are a lot smarter than they were last time you saw them, but uh, they're also stupider because, <laughs> because of the things that, uh, that have changed while they were away that you just forget that they don't know. But it'll ca- we'll catch back up really, really quickly. But I, I'm, so, I'm sort of in that stage right now of re-figuring everything out, which is consistent at school.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's because, you know, the only thing that will never change is everything's going to change.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're uh, starting up the business class again, which I've taught once, you know, one semester, this time last year was the first time I've ever been in charge of teaching a class in the classroom with the syllabus and everything. And um, so anyway, well, we're having well, to redo you- it because this year we're starting doing the whole thing remotely last year we had to go remote halfway through
0: before you give away all this gold that you're throwing down right now. Let's uh, Yes, yeah, sorry, let's, let me, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's all right. Um, let me remind you of what all we're going to talk about a little bit. Okay. So uh, I do want to talk about um, what are you doing now? Um, you know, with the changes you've had since the last time you were on the podcast two years ago, Okay. Uh, talk about school, which you've already gotten into a wee bit. Sorry. Yep, yep. That's okay. That's Hey, this is good. This is great. I mean, I'll make it happen. It'll, it'll sound like nothing ever happened. And then, uh, of course, the main part, of course, is talking about leadership OD. Okay. You know, we want you to dig into some of that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about some other stuff if you want. I got time. Um, okay. The last th- only thing I have to do is go home and try to figure out where the hell the dogs are getting out from. <laughs> <laughs> where have the dogs gone? Oh, my gosh. So at least Kristen was free when that happened. All right, so I'm going to start us off here. Okay. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. On episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are in more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySite 1-Day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear 1-Days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, Parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice Not fear of the disease associations with myopia is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Hello and welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast with Ted McElroy. Uh, Today I have my dear friend and idol, Mike Rothschild, a great American. Uh, you've heard me talk about him many times. You've heard him on the podcast before with Chris Wolf, and today I have him with me, and I couldn't be happier uh, to tell you. Uh, welcome, Mike. Uh, really glad to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Ted. I've been uh, listening to your podcast. I appreciate you getting me uh, into podcasts and understanding where how they work how to get it on my phone and i've really loved what you and chris are doing with it and really am honored to be here
0: today well i gotta tell you it is it's a lot of fun doing this uh, I've, I've often said that basically what this turns out into is like an hour's worth of ten thousand dollars worth of, of uh consulting for free you know so that's always really nice
1: yeah yeah, yeah well you're really good at it i've, I've enjoyed listening to it and you can tell that you and Chris both are just very natural conversationalists, you know, you you know how to ask the right questions and and get people digging into what they're most interested in. It's uh I really enjoy listening to y'all.
0: I've got to say that sometimes is kind of challenging because I'm the kind of person as you well know that just wants to start talking and saying things. So for me to sit back and ask questions and just wait is uh sometimes it's a little tougher than it looks. I'll have to say, but, uh, but thanks again. And I really appreciate, and and thank you for the kind words, because again, this is a lot of fun and I really enjoy it.
1: Well, you could so, tell.
0: So the last time you were on, that was probably about a year and a half ago and you were starting, uh, really getting into tele tele optometry and you talked about some of that. How are things, how are things gone with tele optometry? What kind of things are you now implementing in that? Uh, where are you now? What, what are you doing now with everything?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, as you know, we were starting out this teleoptometry concept at a time when not everybody was interested in telehealth being a part of optometry. And so there were some things going on that weren't good. There were you know, these digital eye exams online that uh, everybody was being compared to. But I was convinced that there's There had to be a better way to take care of patients, so a more convenient way to see patients. And so I wanted to explore it. And and that's what we were talking about a year and a half ago. And before COVID, optometrists were reluctant, uh, to say the least, to uh, to talk about this method of expanding what they were doing. So I was trying to spend, I had planned um, to spend 2020 Just getting optometrists and other people in the eye care business to open up their minds, to put their guard down, to think about, you know, what what is possible uh, with telemedicine, telehealth, teleoptometry, and how can we use it to take care of our patients? So we were just getting started. As a matter of fact, we were at SECO, and I know you remember SECO very well, and that's when it was starting. That's when the buzz was starting to happen, kind of uh, late February, early March. People were just starting to get guarded, and that was the last big national meeting with seCO and we were kind of laughing about it, you know, bumping elbows and fist bumping and uh, kind of making fun of ourselves for for doing those kind of things, but anyway, so we were talking about it, but that next week it went crazy, and everybody wanted to know what we were doing with teleoptometry with telehealth because you know the the government said, this is how you need to see patients. And so there were a lot of webinars, a lot of, um, lot of conversations about it. The, a lot of the HIPAA restrictions were taken away temporarily. So anyway, so we just started figuring out and started doing what I call VAHOVs or virtual at-home visits. And I had to differentiate that because we were doing virtual in-office visits where the patients came to the office where all the equipment was and the doctor actually remoted in. So long story short, no, long story, not quite as long, (laughs) Is we got to the point where, um, you know, we're still doing it all. So we still do uh, comprehensive exams with a remote provider. We are still doing virtual at-home visits. Um, We're doing asynchronous care where we're evaluating retinal images for people who have no access to eye care. And, um, and so basically I've spent the year trying to categorize all the different areas of telehealth, um, in optometry and, and most of it is synchronous care. And I've, I've developed my own opinions about what's okay and what's not okay and, and gotten better at saying, um, you know, where the line in the sand is of acceptable care and, um, and And I'm continuing to grow with that. there's some things in in telehealth that we're doing that I'm not quite comfortable with yet, but i th- I think that we as you keep nudging it toward the greater good and keep in mind that you break the tie by doing what's best for the patient um, that's how it goes so I'm not sure I answered your question at all.
0: oh yeah, you did you know I mean because yeah i remember vividly all of us making fun of all this kind of stuff not the telehealth side of things but right but also sitting back and thinking and for me being in a rural setting it was already something that really excited me because if if i really feel like rural optometry is going to probably benefit the most in february of 2020 yeah they were going to benefit the most i didn't realize that everybody was going to have to do this you know and it became very apparent very quickly that if you were not going to embrace teleoptometry, you were going to end up getting left in the dust. Yeah. It would be like, you know, a grocery store chain deciding they're not going to do curbside delivery or they're not going to let, uh, you know, one of the shopping systems to come in and buy groceries for people. It just, it wouldn't work. They would be in, they'd be devastated.
1: Right. Well, you know, access to health care, eye care specifically, is something that's been a passion of mine for a while. And I, I think we're kind of headed towards some trouble and specifically in rural areas. But it's not just limited to that. It is also poverty causes some of these uh, in inaccessible health care uh, situations that I'm um, really anxious to find ways to, to make that better. And a lot of the reason that there's trouble getting to healthcare providers is because of how good healthcare is, specifically eye care. And so we've kind of gotten into a situation where we've created an all or nothing situation related to eye care. So you can get full comprehensive digital uh, eye exams with great questionnaires and look for everything that could possibly go wrong with your eyes or nothing. And, uh, there's, there's just gotta be a better delivery system than that. So I'm, that's the root of what I'm trying to, uh, accomplish in the, this half of my career, I think.
0: So where do you feel like those answers are going to come from? Is it going to be just more experimentation? Is it going to be, um, who's, who's going to come up with these answers?
1: You and me, I guess. Right. I mean, I think all of us, Ted, are going to have to work together to come up with the answers to those questions. And, um, and there's not just one answer, but I think the first thing we've got to do is give a real good, honest look at ourselves. The, um, I tell you what, what I have learned, this is the, this guy, you know how you had those patients that just kind of teach you lessons, um, uh, and you remember them even though it's a little thing and they weren't out to teach you a lesson, but, um, but they did something, or they said something to you, and it really made a big impact on you. With this new practice, this teleoptometry practice that we started, this was before COVID. <clears throat> Again, we're trying to increase access to care, and, and we've, what I found is, is there are a lot of people who are um, are a little embarrassed that they have neglected their health care. And now they've got significant health problems. And there was this man who was in his mid fifties. He was recently diagnosed with diabetes and, um, not very well educated and, you know, had neglected his health for almost all of his life. I'm pretty sure he was a smoker and, you know, his sugar went up to 600 or something. And he wound up in the emergency room, diagnosing with diabetes. And now they're saying, okay, now. Find your primary care doctor and go get your eyes checked. And so our office, other than this emergency room visit, was the first, really the first significant uh, entry point into a non-emergency healthcare setting. And we throw a computerized tablet at him and say, okay, fill this out with all these addresses and these big words asking if you've ever had hypertension or hypercholesterolemia or any of those big things. It's hard to say. Um, and and so I realize there's no sense in that. There's no sense in, now that's a great questionnaire. It's very thorough. It's very complete. It uh, screens for a lot of different things, but it's also intimidating. And that one little thing, how many people have turned away because they're intimidated by registering for an eye exam I bet it's a lot
0: yeah lots I'm sure it is so you know there's the spectrum of what you can do with this platform is I wouldn't say it's limitless but it almost is I mean you can get in as small or as big as you wanted to with this so let's say somebody is looking at just kind of dabbling I know that's a dangerous thing to do but they're just wanting to sort of try it out what where do they start what do they what do they do first
1: you're talking about teleoptometry in general.
0: Yeah, just teleoptometry in general.
1: So, so I think that there's two ways that you can dabble, and one of the ways you've probably already been dabbling with to begin with. And so I call it supportive uh, telehealth. And so what that means is anything that you do remotely that assists you with an in-office visit. So, for instance, if you email a um, a history form to a patient and ask them to fill it out online before they come in. That's telehealth, isn't it? So you're, you and the patient aren't in the same place. They're completing information via technology. I just did air quotes. I'm not sure if this is going to,
0: yeah, they saw that through the airwaves,
1: (laughs) the um, so through technology and, um, and you're, and it's supporting what you're doing in person Same could be done if they send a picture of something for their eye. But anyway, something supportive, just sort of work that into the process. And then you're you're limiting maybe the time that they're in the office. So during the pandemic, uh, which is still going on, anything that you can do, you can do a case history over the phone, um, via Zoom, or, or any other thing that you're doing to decrease the amount of time that they're in there. Now, you've got to coordinate yourself better right you got to change your processes um you got to adapt how you're doing things for that to be effective but if you do it it'll be a whole lot better and if you do it and get good at it you can make your office a lot more effective so add some sort of supportive uh telehealth to the process and then the other thing is uh VAHO's. any kind of virtual at home visit um that you can how just explore every time you you know, spend a day in the office and just think, could I have done this via Zoom? And so almost all red-eye follow-ups, do them on Zoom. Any kind of follow-up that doesn't involve a pressure check, doesn't involve a retinal evaluation, see if it doesn't make sense to do that uh, virtually if you have a good Zoom connection. So so I think that that's low-hanging fruit. So what we we're trying to implement um, in my practice and at the school over at UAB is we're, we're trying to quit. We're trying to eliminate this statement. I want you to come back in a year for another full comprehensive eye exam and then use these artificial tears. And if that problem is still bothering you in a month, please call us back. Right. Isn't that a terrible thing to say to a patient? And we say it all the time. Come back in a year for sure, but if this problem that you mentioned isn't better in a month, call us. Why not schedule a telehealth visit and say, how is that dry eye problem? Are you still using those drops? Oh, you ran out of the samples. I understand. So that's what I intended for you to do was go buy those because that happens all the time, doesn't it? Here, take yeah. this sample of artificial tears. Well, those drops worked great. When I quit using them, my eye felt dry again. We hear that statement a year later. So why not have that conversation in a month where there's still time to do something about it? Um, Contact lens progresses. If you change somebody's contact lens prescription and have them come back in a week so that you can make sure it fits before you finalize that prescription, that should be being done online. Um, You can see a contact lens on eye through a phone um, image. One little trick is, is to get them to turn the camera around. So it's this um, camera on the back, the, not the selfie camera, but the other one, it gives you better resolution. Um, but those are the, those are the things that I think that anybody could jump into and it makes a big, big difference in how your practice runs. And I, I feel takes better care of your patients.
0: I think those are all great ideas and it's amazing with what we've had to go through in the last year, how many great ideas have come about. Yes. And, You know, it's it's there's a phrase I keep hearing in the business accelerator group that I'm in that happens over and over again is what does this make possible? Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, that one and, uh, and what I have to say that probably should be your theme is what would I do if I were brave? Because I can't imagine some of the things that you pull off without being brave mike um you know it's just i I say this on a number of occasions you're one of the bravest people i know and well
1: uh, i appreciate that uh,
0: it's it's true it really truly is um so you know what other things have have changed Uh, the teleoptometry is starting i mean well first of all is this how you thought it was all going to turn out
1: no. No, not at all. I mean, I, I never ex- expected. I mean, it was just so sudden. I, again, I I planned on just trying to get people to listen, just quit yelling at me and listen and then yell at me um, if you still want to. That that's what I was gearing up for the year to be. And then uh, this pandemic just changed everything it, it accelerated it, so a, a lot of people in the telemedicine world uh, say we 've advanced uh, ten years in the last three months that 's what they were saying um, you know at the American telemedicine Association that was kind of their phrase because it was it was just so quick how and and telemedicine is something that's been going on for a long time, but it's just little little baby steps for years and years and years um, and then it just came on so quickly, so I had no idea that it would be uh, such a topic that so many people wanted to uh, discuss, and the schools are getting into it, and I think that it's going to be something that's part of the curriculum um, for the optometry school students. Has Hank told you anything about it? Are they talking about it at his school at all?
0: they um they are talking about it, and for disclosure for everybody, Hank is my son uh who is a first year at Kentucky College of Optometry in Pikeville, Kentucky. If you've never been there, it's beautiful um but i'll I'll say this when we went to move him in uh, the first weekend in August as we were driving up to the school, me in this big massive moving van, and them three hours behind me on the road, it felt like um there was a sign when I passed by one of the buildings that actually said telehealth department so so they're ahead uh kentucky college well the pike this the university of pikeville has a number of programs under their umbrella and one of them also is doctor of osteopathic medicine and they've combined the two schools where they are doing telehealth and that is something that's being done he just hasn't gotten that far along in his education yet to to get there but right okay uh, of course you know as things have changed with healthcare it's also changed with education so they're getting lots of education on how to use these different platforms uh, because of how the schools have been doing i mean i'm presuming you guys are doing some education through some of this type platform at uab as well
1: well yeah we're incorporating the students and that that's been the big topic over uh the holidays was okay what's next what are we going to do now so just like any good uh crisis we adapted and started figuring out new ways to do things. So it was just, um, the faculty members seeing patients via telehealth, not involving the students. Cause we didn't know how to involve the students. Then we let the students watch us do it for a little while. And now we watch the students do telehealth and, um, and kind of intervene in case something needs to happen. Um, so, so we're, we're, forcing them and throwing them into the deep end with, uh, with telehealth uh, by, by doing these virtual visits. And we spent a good bit of the holidays talking about what are we, how are we going to expand this? How can we make it better? And how are we going to incorporate it into the curriculum? We haven't added a class uh, yet called telehealth, uh, but we, we are going to talk to the public health. So Dr. Beth Steele and I, um, we just I just emailed about this a minute ago are going to speak to the public health class, the second years, and we're trying to find ways to implement it into every year of the education. We'll certainly talk about it in the business class that I teach. Um, and so the clinical value is there. And uh, just, I mean, just think of all the different ways that you can talk about it. I mean, it could really be a part of each individual class that you teach in optometry school.
0: That's amazing. That's, I mean, you know, cause Who'd have thunk that this is where we'd have been, I mean, not even a year ago, but even six months ago. I mean, even as things were starting to change, even six months ago, we kept thinking, well, okay, there's going to be an end of this, but it appears that, you know, things are here to stay, which is not such a bad thing, which I, I hope that if nothing else that any of you get is just be brave try something, do something, even if it's something small and just get your feet wet with this, because it's not as intimidating as you would think it is. It truly isn't. And, and I got to tell you also your guests, your patients, your customers, whatever you want to call them, they're already getting into this with other healthcare fields. And if we're the last ones to do this, that's going to kind of hurt our profession. I would think.
1: I agree with you, Ted. And you know, I got my little insurance book at the beginning of the year from a health insurance company. And there's a, The centerfold is all about telehealth and how they want us to use that as a way to see, um, you know, get into the healthcare system is let's start with telehealth. These are the conditions that will we can see you for through a telehealth visit. Um, And it's a big list.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So you've gotten uh, more into education. You're you're doing this business class at school and you're what are some other things you're, you're really getting into right now? I mean, how are, how are things going with leadership OD?
1: So leadership OD is going great. You know, we, um, as you know, Ted, we've, we've had a meeting every January for the last nine years called the executive retreat. And it's really the showcase event of leadership OD. And we've always wanted it to be different than all the other Uh, education type events. We truly want it to be a leadership kind of event. We always have it at the beginning of the year because that just feels like a great time to get together and um, share goals, share frustrations, share aspirations, and come up with a good plan for the year uh, for what you're going to do to make this the best year ever. And so we've done it in unique places, but it's, it's a meeting it's not a meeting where you sit in a crowd and listen to a real smart person tell you everything that they can do. So if I'm going to lead a meeting, is there's not a smart person <laughs> allowed uh, to be on the stage. It's just me and uh, you and whoever else we can get. But it's conversational. It's interactive. And um, just like every other big meeting, I stood back and thought, how are we going to do it differently? And I thought about trying to do it remotely. It's people count on it. And people need this uh, reset button, as I like to think about it. And so we started debating, how can we make this meeting happen um, and still be meaningful? And that's where we came up with the plan to, to do it differently. So, you know, there's interest level. So, uh, you know, people are uh, thinking about it. I'm trying to get into more of a routine with leadership OD. Um, it's never been an organization to give you all the answers. It's an organization to um, understand kind of what's going on out there and facilitating ways so that we can help each other share um, and support and take care of each other.
0: You know, one of the things I, I see with leadership OD, it's, it's more of a sort of a group coaching type kind of program because you have these wonderful people in the room with you, that are i mean you may have made this uh, some uh, the assessment that you know the smart people there are lots of smart people including you that are in there but the fact is everybody in there i think is truly trying to be the dumbest person in the room but you i mean and the reason i'm saying that is because you can you can tell by the questions that are asking there's no kind of of uh feeling of greatness when some of these questions are being asked it's very vulnerable questions you know that they're they're truly concerned about what's going on with their practices, what's going on with their life, what's going on with the team that they work with. And the questions that get asked are coming from a place of, of really wanting to find out what the best answer is.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's I think that Leadership OD does a better job than any other organization to keep asking a question until you get the real answer. And it's about breaking down barriers. Like you said, everybody's trying to be the dumbest in the room. And that's a great way to put it. Because what you're trying to do is, is let people be vulnerable, which is a word I've heard you use before, Ted. And and understand, um, just really get to what matters. Some people advise to keep work and your personal life separate. And that's such nonsense. I mean, there is so commingled uh, especially when it's a profession that that cares so much about people. So anyway, so I think that it that we're really good about continuing to ask and ask it in different ways until the truth comes out and um, about what's what matters most, you know. And it's different for everybody. There's no one answer for anything in I Care. Um, you know, some of the things that we see when we're through leadership OD is one of the services we provide is a on-site retreat for you and your staff. And the pandemic certainly has quietened that down. But but I don't think there's a better way than stopping what you're doing, day-to-day work, going off site and figuring out, digging deep into what's really going on. And um and so w- what's in my mind is a is a staff that we were doing this for and a practice we were doing this and we we're gonna set new goals and try to build staff morale and um so we talked about how things are going so that's how we started it out so we're using our flip charts which is a great tool for pulling out information from everybody and you know how's this going and uh who thinks this and then we take a break and you walk around the corner and the doctor the owner of the practice is standing there crying and she's crying because everything that the staff has been saying is uh was really kind of a dig at her it was stuff that was going on that um she was trying to implement that they were saying that they didn't like. And, um, and that's the kind of stuff that you don't see unless you let people start opening up and talking. And that's the kind of environment. I'm not saying we try to make everybody cry, (laughs) but it happens a lot. And it happens a lot because you get down to a rawness of, of what you've been fighting and something that you've been putting up a barrier. And we don't, tolerate that
0: at leadership <laughs> maybe tolerate is a strong word um <laughs> we we uh we encourage or you encourage the you know people getting really involved in this conversation and you know the funny part about a lot of those kind of conversations is the reason i think and i'm i'm maybe um guessing a little bit on this one but I i would bet you that this doctor you were just talking about Um, everybody else already knew all this stuff. This is just the first time that they had heard it. Uh, and that was the first time they realized that this was what the story was. And I think that's where a lot of those raw emotions come from. It's, I mean, it's like when we talk about our weaknesses, everybody else already knows what your weaknesses are. You're the last one to find out, you know? And (laughs) so as soon as you can figure it out, you can go on with your life and now, you know, stop worrying about all those weaknesses and let somebody else do that. You deal with your strengths and stay there. Right. And uh, I think that's one thing that leadership also leadership OD also does quite well. Um, You you talked about how you've done it differently. And I'll have to say from the very beginning, that very first one I got to come to, gosh, I can't even think about how long ago that was. It was 10 years ago, maybe um, at Fox hall. In a little tiny room with 50 people, which now would be a horror show uh, for most of our federal government to realize that we got that many people in a room that small. But the thing that was incredible about it was as I looked around the room, there wasn't one person who had a phone out or an iPad out or was checking their email on their computer. And yes, there was Wi-Fi available. Sure. Everybody was really into it. And there were really tough questions that were coming from the audience, not just for the speakers or the presenters, but also for the other people in the actual group um, that were challenging each other on things um, and, and not from a point of, well, I don't believe you as more of a, is that really true? I mean, is that really what you think? Um, you know, and and trying to help them dig into some of these really tough questions that they were, they were contemplating. And, and that was the, probably the first time I looked around and thought, gosh, this is amazing. I can't believe this is actually happening here, um, you know. And, and I think that's one thing that you've been able to really um, sort of cultivate in this group of people that you have, and continuing to add those type of environments, which is incredible for a practice.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Ted. And that is something that you're constantly battling with when you're working with groups of people. Is you know you're battling for attention, and and the the competitors for attention just get more and more creative in the ways that they sort of steal from it. So uh, what I constantly pray for when I'm working with anybody is an opportunity to wait uh, to say anything until they're ready to receive to um, be able to create situations that are where they are ready to, to get that. Right. So, um, so just using different techniques so that um, you don't give people a lot of information that they don't need. You don't try to get everybody the same uh, piece of information, but create situations so that there's interest, true, genuine interest and thirst for whatever um, people are talking about. And uh, most of the time people have got their own answers. They just need help sort of uncovering them.
0: So tell me ab- about one particular, um, and of course, names don't need to go out here, but tell me about one particular interest, instance in one of these meetings that was life altering for one of those, one of those doctors, you know, Ted, it's, you never know what's life
1: altering while it's happening. It turns out, but I have had dozens of times where people have come to me years later, where they were at a meeting and they, they said, um, that their life was transformed at that point. And so it's, and the guy said, and it's one little thing that gets said by somebody. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's um, another person that was there. But, but one of them that was, was um, striking to me. And I still remember, and I still talk about it uh, is there was a, a, a doctor who was a young doctor who had bought into an old practice. So she had bought this, I think she was an equal partner with the two senior doctors. Uh, And by senior just meant old, right? Because they were all equal, but they had been there longer. And so she called them the senior partners and she called herself a junior partner. And she was doing most of the work and she kept calling her uh, partners, senior partners. And she, somebody else in the group pointed out, you know what? By calling yourself a junior partner, you degrade yourself. You need to quit doing that she said, you're right. And so she quit doing it, but you know how habits sometimes break. So a couple of times she called herself uh, a junior partner and she said part, this guy said partner and just kept correcting her until the habit was broken. And so by considering herself an equal with her partners, just by changing the way she was using her word, she became the leader of the practice and um, senior partners are now gone. She's the, she's the senior partner. And, um, and so it's, it's those kind of small little things that make a big impact, but there are also people who come to me at a meeting and they said, you know, I just started my practice a couple of months ago because, um, because you said that you should set a 10 year goal. If you're, if you're going to start a practice, give yourself a goal. And she said that she made herself a 10 year goal to have her practice opened. And it was nine and a half years later. So she finally got it open. So when you plant these seeds, it takes a long time to know whether it's, whether it's going to be fruitful or not, but you never know. That's why you just got to keep, keep letting them happen. Keep letting people waken themselves up uh, to these opportunities.
0: When you were coming up with this idea, I mean, how did you, what was the impetus behind doing this in the first place?
1: (laughs) I'm going to tell you a secret. So, uh, don't tell anybody. Okay. Ted? I, I be
0: between but, me and you, just between us girls,
1: but this, these techniques are techniques that I developed when I was working for Pi Kappa Phi as a leadership consultant, because, um, so my job, I was the asshole from nationals. Again, the air quotes, um, that was my job after college. I was a big fraternity guy. So I went to work for the national fraternity, and then I was the guy that traveled to all the different campuses and um, and helped these fraternity members with leadership, recruitment, education, responsibility, public relations, um, all charity—you know, um, giving giving back to their community—all of these things. Um, and this was back in the day when we were trying to get fraternity guys to quit using kegs at their parties um i do not think we had any success with that but nonetheless maybe just that this. was that was what it was <laughs> yeah but we we were just trying to um have conversations with these guys and every as you can imagine every chapter is different based on the school environment um and it, as i was just sitting back thinking um, about optometry practices I, I had some um, opportunities to go into a bunch of different types of practices you know small new practices big well-established practices commercial practices private practices and uh, started seeing similarities that were different you know so so all of our practices are overall the same but there's big big differences based on where they're located what the principles are of the practice, the values, uh, the age of the owners, the ideas uh, of what they're trying to do, and so I, I was just trying to explore ways to to get to the root of it, and so many of our lectures are, here's a new idea that you should implement in your practice, and think, why should I And that? How can you tell me that I should do this in my practice? You don't even know me, uh, so so I just started developing ways to to try to ask questions before we start working on your practice. Let's figure out what your practice is all about. And most guys don't know. And when I say guys, that's a, that's a gender neutral term for all optometrists or anybody in eye care. Most folks don't really understand what kind of practice they're trying to build. So I put together all these little ways to just stop people to, um, to, to, to try to find better ways to define what they're really trying to accomplish.
0: So this year, it's going to also be done a little differently. So how is, how is the magic going to happen this year?
1: So I, I, I decided what's most important and, um, and it's, it can't be done remotely. It's gotta be conversational. It's gotta be small. The smallness is what matters but also safety matters. So it's going to be done at my house. Um, And so we're, we're actually, our backyard is a mess right now because we're having some plumbing run to the garage. We're trying, we're refinishing the garage so that we can have a room big enough so that, uh, so that 10 or 12 people can comfortably sit spaced out far enough and we can have some good conversations so everybody can feel safe and It can be flexible enough so that if things go crazy and we have to cancel it or only a couple of people come, we can still do it. So we're going to have five different sessions of 10 people at each one, maximum of 10. Um, So some groups of people have said, we want I want my entire group to come together. So we reserve that just for them. So they're kind of dominating that whether it's from uh, one particular office or like a study group. Um, But also if you only have one person, you want to come by yourself or come with two or three people from your staff, you can come and be with a couple of other different staffs. And there's some advantages to that too, because you can um, kind of share ideas and that, but it's going to be small. It's going to be a small group of people, uh, multiple sessions. We're going to throw in some continuing education, but it's not going to be about TE. It's going to be about the conversation.
0: And this is going to happen in the spring. Is that when this is going to occur?
1: Yep. So I think that the first, so they're all going to run Thursday evening to Saturday at lunch. And so I think that the first one is that last weekend in February and then every weekend in March. And, um, some of them are already full. And so, so yeah, it's going to be, it's still kind of the first big meeting of the year. There are the air quotes again. Um, because it's not going to be a big meeting at all, but, um, but it's kind of the organization meeting before the big CE meeting start up, uh, but delayed a little bit.
0: Well, uh, we'll make sure we get the um, link in the, in the show notes so everybody can see what, what that's all about. Because Perfect. To, so they have an opportunity to take a look at this because I, I can tell you of, of, of the many times I've had a chance to sit around with a bunch of our colleagues, these, some of these moments have been some of the most special in my entire career. And it's not just because of what it does for my business. It was also because of what it did for me just personally.
1: Well, do you mind if I turn it on you, Ted, a little bit? Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, you were asking me, you know, what are some of the impactful moments, um, through the leadership OD events. And then you just mentioned that you, you've had some yourself. So say this is harder than it feels, but do you remember a specific moment at a leadership OD event that, um, it change things for you
0: yeah i do um we were it was probably i guess three years ago we had uh, a bunch of us had come up there and this was sort of a it wasn't really impromptu but the but the way the process you had an idea of the direction you were going to go and one of our dear friends mark Kapperman, was doing devotional in the cabin that you two were staying in and he was talking to you about this thing he had in his mind, uh, called the Kapperman cross. And part of that was looking at different zones of your life. And, uh, and I, I apologize. I can't remember exactly what all the zones were, but it, you basically what you did was you talked about all the things that you d- describe all the things you do during your week is what it basically came down to and all the labels that you were labeled with and write all those down. And then you took this cross and you talked about, you know, these are the things that were really give you energy. These are the things that are kind of, you know, you're kind of good at it. You enjoy it, but you know, it's not really making any money for you. And these are the things that over here that you are um, not so good at, but you're wanting to find out more about it. I, I'm, I'm probably butchering it, but the, the two that I really remember is the ones that the, the stuff that really promotes for you and at the very bottom was the stuff that just is just you'd rather gouge your eyes out than do this kind of stuff whether it makes money for you or not and um so we we went through this and then we sort of at the end of it you took all that information home that evening this was on i believe thursday night and then came back on friday and had us all stand in a circle and we were exactly opposite our exact opposite person of, of what we had sort of had put down there. And I I knew this individual really well, and I'm hoping I'm going to get him on the podcast. I'm putting this out there because this is kind of your invitation, Chris Owens um, to come out on the podcast. But uh, Chris was directly across from me and I knew Chris, I'd always enjoyed being around him. He was a great guy. And we were paired up and, the conversation that we had for the rest of the weekend truly made a deep, deep impact on me. And uh, as we were going through all the way through Saturday, Saturday was kind of our revealing of our plan, so to speak. And because of discussions I'd had with Chris and our group that we'd had, it suddenly came to me that this need for more was just wrong. And, you know, it was not so much that I didn't want to do better. I mean, I can, you know, we can always do better, but it was just this need for more. I got to have more, 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 more. And what I realized was there was a whole lot of enough that I had and deciding to whittle away some of those things that I really didn't need because they were on other parts of this cross that I could live without very easily if I just decided I didn't want to do them anymore. And that was probably the beginning of a lot of why I've been doing things the way I've been doing them for the last three or four years. Um some decisions that I made to get into not only continuing work with you guys, but also with um uh, business accelerator. And um I've continued that on to now I've just hired my first one-on-one coach that I have now that's working with yeah. me on a lot of things. And um those kind of directions and all that came out of that that one day and wow uh, and you're doing a podcast now yeah i mean and you know i never would have done something like this i mean it and no this is this is really i do care that other people are listening i do hope people are enjoying this but you know if they're not it really doesn't matter because i'm just enjoying it, and you know i'm getting tons out of this and i hope that my, my biggest joy on this whole thing is, is just getting a chance for people to realize that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to goof up and um, to be a little bit real and not worrying about everybody, you know, thinking you're bigger than life because you're not. And uh, you know, I, I think it's a great feeling to have that. And that's a lot of the things that I've learned in your, in your group.
1: Well, thank you, Ted. And, and that happens a lot, you know, people, Hear a presentation about getting more profitable, making more money, doing this thing, and before you know it, you're wrapped up in that, and you just have to stop it once in a while and say, "Yeah, but what about what about giving back to the profession? What about your kids? What about your family? What a, what about quality of life?" So anyway, that's um that's a great story. I've never I, I know knew all of those things had happened, and um, never heard you put it all together like that. That I appreciate you sharing that.
0: Well, one thing also you you had mentioned too about the the fallacy that we have that we have this business life and we have this home life but it is true i mean you're a whole person you're not a half a work person and a half a home person you're a whole person and i think that's something else if if nobody else gets anything out of what we talked about today to realize that all the things that you have outside these four walls of your practice influence you and everything that you have inside these four walls influence you and if you just will just recognize that how much more freeing that gets and how much easier it is to relate to just everything.
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard sometimes to keep what matters most in front of you. Um, It's really easy to get wrapped up in things that don't matter so much.
0: So I want you to, as we, as we close up here, I want you to tell me one thing that has been made possible because of what has happened since March the eleventh of twenty twenty.
1: One thing that has been made possible. Yes. Gosh, that's really a, a tough one. So I think that you know, I think that uh, you stumped me there, Ted. So so I've I've always thought of uh, barriers. Being great um, opportunities, you know, to to make things better. And you said it brilliantly as we were coming on. I can't remember how you said it. It was so brilliant that I've have forgotten it.
0: But well, it's something to do
1: with. <laughs> <laughs> it has something to do with, um, you know, things getting better because because you're learning opportunities because something bad has happened, and I think that that we as humans are really, really good at looking for new ways to do things when a crisis hits. And and we're accepting of trying to find better ways to do things to get out of a crisis, like a pandemic, like a, you know a building that catches on fire, or like a, a health condition, like a divorce, like an illness, like anything that um, is scary and bad Requires you to change, and and many times good things can come from one of those crisis seas. And so, but what's more common is is when a fog comes in. You know, when you're when you're chasing a dream that's not even a dream, or or when your staff is sort of talking bad about you behind your back, or uh, you're just not growing the practice because you don't have the passion for it anymore. That's when it's hard to change because you're comfortable. Um, you're doing things kind of the way that you've always done them because it works, even though you're not thrilled with it. But I think that what the pandemic has done is it's awakened the thirst for change for all of us. And, and I think this, I think we're teaching differently. I think we're seeing our patients differently. I think we're treating our staffs differently our, um, and not all of it's good and a lot of it just sucks but what it's done is it's gotten us to where we can can grow and can look at things differently and be comfortable with the fact that things need to change I guess that's probably not at all what you're looking for probably looking for something more concrete but I think it's more of an abstract attitude toward being willing to
0: try new things I think that's that's brilliant Uh, well Ladies and gentlemen, my dear friend and idol, Mike Rothschild, great American Mike. Thank you so much for being on the show today, and uh, I, I, I'm just thrilled to have you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ted. I feel like we're just getting warmed up. I feel like we <laughs> yeah. could go on all night long. This is this is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, my, but, but, well, the problem is I got to go home and figure out where my dogs escaped from the yard. So yeah, yes. Gotta...
1: Good luck finding your dogs. <laughs> is it dark there now?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're back. Uh, they're just you know. That's what I just gotta go figure out where they were. But thanks.
1: Good luck to you, Ted. Thanks for inviting me to do this.
0: My pleasure.